This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Good to have you along for the ride tonight. Monday Night Football, Buffalo leading Seattle 14-7, last minute of the first quarter. In the NHL tonight, the Bruins are up 3-0 on the Sabres early in the third. Also early in the third, 2-2, uh, 2-2 between the Canucks and the Islanders. The Panthers lead the Lightning 1-0 late in the second period. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can visit crystalglass.ca. want to say congratulations to Matt Van Oakel, goaltender for FC Edmonton. He is the Golden Glove winner in the North American Soccer League. Best goals against average. He had 16 shutouts this season, a .55 goals against average. And I want to say a big thanks to everybody who helped out with the Eskimos game on Sunday and 6.30 Chet Santa's Anonymous. Uh, A new record set for toys donated to 6.30 Chet Santa's Anonymous. So what we had was uh, enough toys and money to give 728 children gifts this holiday season. Over $20,000, 1,100 toys donated uh, before the game against the Toronto Argos. So thank you for uh, to everybody who helped out. Lana Nordland, the executive director of Santa's Anonymous, works right here in this very building. She's been on Inside Sports several times. She does such a great job. So thanks, everybody. Really cool stuff. Thanks for the Eskimos for being involved with that as well. Okay, the Oilers getting ready to go against the Pittsburgh Penguins. 3.30 face-off show tomorrow on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 5. And, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Oilers is Jack Michaels. Jack, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Well, it's always good to be back in western Pennsylvania, Reed. As you know, I grew up here and, uh, you know, grew up as a Penguins fan. Uh, when Mary Lemieux came to the party and got the Penguins going, I was never a Steeler guy. Uh, the Indians were always a priority over the Pittsburgh Pirates. So once the Penguins got going... Uh, that gave me something to appreciate hockey about. And so that's that's how my interest in hockey came to pass. And, and coming back here and uh, in an area where I did so many games, you know, just getting your start in this business when I was 20, 21, 22 years old. Uh, I know a lot of rinks in western Pennsylvania, a lot of old <laughs> barns. And so it's always uh, it's always good to be back and, and see old friends and family. Okay, so was that was that college hockey or what? What level were you doing at that point? No, no. I mean that was that was uh, that was Pennsylvania high school hockey. Oh wow! That's how that's how I got my broadcasting. Well, in college, I did a, a club hockey team at the Division three level, but I hadn't really given. You know, when you grow up in Western Pennsylvania, you always think you're going to be the next voice of the Pirates or the Steelers or the Browns or 
whoever your team is, because so much is is predicated, especially in football in Western Pennsylvania in particular. Uh, and so, you know, there was no, you know, hockey outlets per se anywhere near here. I mean, at that time, Robert Morris wasn't established as a school. Now, you know, that's a, a legitimate NCAA program that people are playing at. But where I grew up, there. There really was an NCAA Division One hockey. I mean, Boston University, Boston College, those were all 10-hour drives away from me. So uh, really the only outlet for me to at least put my toe in the water as far as broadcasting hockey was the high school level. And uh, it started to pick up significantly. Like I said, when Lemieux was drafted in 84, the Penguins became a power in the late 80s and early 90s. All of a sudden, these high school programs just – just as what happened in L.A., they started to get much stronger. And by the time I came out of school in the mid-'90s, uh, there were enough programs where it was decent hockey. And, and I'm with people now that, you know, used to travel with me to, to do those high school games. And, and uh, you know, I'd ride home with them after the game. So there's a lot of rinks uh, up and down I-79 uh, in western Pennsylvania that uh, I've called games in. And, and some have some of them ceased to exist, and, and uh, more have popped up over the years. Well, that's that's uh, that's awesome, man. Some of those memories are, are the best to have. I, I got to ask you about something else, though. It's been a few days, and, and I just more want to make sure that you're all right. We haven't actually spoken, <laughs> though. We, we did, I did text you the day after Game Seven World Series. You wanted Cleveland to pull it out. Uh, dramatic game. I, I just want to make sure you're okay, and maybe there's a silver lining to enjoying the ride of the season. I don't know. I'm just fishing here, Jack. Well, the silver lining is, as a Cleveland sports fan, whether it be Indians or Braves, you know that not only will the team inevitably lose, but it will find a way to lose in the most excruciating way possible. And, you know, you can make an argument that in terms of, you know, classic football and baseball games, the Browns and the Indians have now lost two of the most famous games in the history of North American sports with the drive when it comes to John Elway's famous drive down the field uh, in the 1986 AFC Championship game and, of course, what happened the other night with the dramatic extra inning loss uh, suffered by the Indians, which, by the way, is their second in a Game 7 of the World Series in my lifetime. So, like I said, when you're an Indians fan, you know that not only they'll lose, but they'll find a way to do it in, in the most gut-wrenching and devastating way possible. And I was sad, and I was even more sad when I found out that my son went to bed during the rain delay. My wife oh. had finally had enough to go to bed. And so he got up in the morning with a fresh start and renewed hope as he turned on uh, the PVR only to then call me before he went to school and, and, and you know, near tears and he had to go to school. So uh, that that got to me a little bit. But, hey, it's uh, it's sports. That's uh, There has to be a winner, has to be a loser. And like I said, when you're a Cleveland sports fan, you know your team is going to be the loser. Oh, well, I, I, I feel for your son. He's, he's been there. Or he's been there where where I've been as as a young guy, and you think it's never going to get better, but it will get better, and it's getting better for the Edmonton Oilers. Jack, we should transition into the team you're on the road with. Man, oh man, was that as good a lockdown period as you've ever seen them play in the third last night against the Wings? Well, I talked to Todd McCollin about it after the game, and I said, "Is that pretty much reflective of everything you and the coaching staff go over when it comes to protecting a lead, especially on short rest?" and and he said, we just didn't make many errors. And that's the biggest thing is, 
you know, when you're tired and your legs are heavy and you've got some new faces in the lineup, newfangled combination, uh, number two goaltender in the pipes, to play the way the Oilers did in the third period against Detroit, who's not what they once were, but who's still, you know, a team that has guys like Zetterberg and Tatar and Nyquist and Larkin that can hurt you. I mean, they're not devoid of weapons. Uh, you know, it's not like you, it's not like you shut down Carolina to win the game two one. I mean, Detroit's still a middle of the pack team in terms of its offensive prowess, and and the way the Oilers handled it uh, the other night, I think, was exceptionally well done. And you know what? In a game where you don't lead all night and you find a way to win when maybe you don't have your A game, I, I think the preceding night in Long Island and Brooklyn, to be exact. Uh, was just as impressive. So to come away with, you know, two wins and two hard-fought one-goal games where you really don't lead that much. I mean, the Oilers only led back 20 minutes of that game in, in the entire two-game set. They're only really ahead once. I think to come out of that uh, back-to-back weekend with four points is, is another sign that this team isn't going anywhere soon. Uh, I'm not proclaiming that they're a Stanley Cup contender, but I'm also not willing to dismiss them as a very legitimate playoff possibility. All right. Well, it's going to be fun tomorrow. Crosby against McDavid, the Penguins against the Oilers, two teams off to incredible starts. Jack, thanks for making time for us. Enjoy the uh, rest of your night in Pittsburgh, and I will talk to you tomorrow, buddy. Really appreciate you came on. Oh, no problem. And reading again, I'll tell you what, the one thing I've been a little surprised on is I've seen a number of articles about these other teams, these other contenders. I'm going to be curious to see what happens if Edmonton wins in Pittsburgh tomorrow night. I believe the mainstream media, the Sports Illustrated of the world and that sort of thing, they're coming. They're coming eventually because that's where I think this team is. And they might be coming sooner rather than later if the Oilers find a way to get it done in the Steel City tomorrow night. Yeah, well, that's a good point, Jack. Thanks for coming on. I mean, the Oilers 9-3-1, and Pittsburgh 8-2-2. Two, and two. Uh, i got to tell you where I'm at, guys. I have stopped asking myself, uh, are the Oilers for real? I, I think they are for real as a playoff contender. I'm not ready to throw them into the uh, Stanley Cup hat quite yet, but, I mean, six games over five hundred already, uh, a nice little lead in the division early in the season. Uh, I think they look like a team that can hang around. Going to be fun tomorrow against the Penguins. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can also text 63630. We'll get a bit of a Pittsburgh perspective from Phil Bork as we move along tonight. And I also want to talk about Bon Jovi reaching out to a couple of NHL players when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks for tuning in tonight. Morley Scott coming up with the Eskimos show from 8 to 9. We'll bring in Phil Bork from the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast booth after the 7.30 news to get his perspective on tomorrow's matchup between the Oilers and the Penguins. Uh, Kellen Kennedy on the other side of the window tonight is our studio producer. Kellen, did you see, uh, well, first of all, did you see any of that Maple Leafs-Vancouver game from Saturday, or did you see any any highlights? I saw highlights of it. I, crazy, I didn't eh? watch the game, but I saw highlights of it. Nazem yeah. Kadri uh, nailed Daniel Sedin, didn't get suspended. Kadri commenting on that. Yeah, I just kind of saw him come across the middle, and 
um, just tried to, to finish my check and you know, thought I got uh, the back part of his shoulder initially and um, obviously glad to see him come back as well. I mean, as long as it's uh, as long as it's clean, you don't uh, you don't hire you don't you, you don't hit him high or leave your feet. I think it's it's acceptable. But you know, for me in my particular situation, I felt like I, I did hit him in the body and that was the main point of contact. And I'm happy the the league felt the same way. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's interesting. I would have thought there would have been a little bit more from the league on that, at least to to look at it or have some kind of a hearing. It pretty much went away pretty quickly, at least from a league standpoint. I I mean, I I guess they're saying not all blindside hits are illegal hits. That one looked pretty bad, though. It was made worse, I suppose, by Sedin's helmet coming off and his head crashing onto the ice. He did score on the play. I don't know if Kadri had realized the puck had gone in when he hit him, but it, to me it was one of I mean, sometimes you you, you look at the rule book and you, re, you read the rule and, oh, this, this, and this, did it meet this criteria? That was just a hit that it looked wrong. I mean, given what the NHL has been enforcing with other blindside hits, it just sort of looked wrong. It looked out of kilter, but Kadri will get away with it. Another interesting thing from that game, did you see Matthews uh, and Marner? On the bench there, Kellen. Have you seen yeah. the video of these guys? Yeah. Now, what album was that from? Well, that's obviously off Slippery When Wet. Great album. Uh, I want to say track two. Or is it tra- it's either track two or three. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, so, Marner and Matthews, the two young guys, caught singing along to this song during a stoppage living on a prayer by Bon Jovi you know what where's their focus on the game Kellen Kennedy well these two high draft picks coming up they think they're bigger than the game (laughs) they think they're bigger than the game they can just sit there and sing along not focus on what's going on with their teammates not worried about strategy and where's the all-star genius all-world head coach Mike Babcock (laughs) he's lost control of the team the horses are out of the barn and they're running wild singing along the 80s rock. The president, it's out of control. The precedent for this has been set, though. Remember back... They're cancers in the last, dressing room, Kellen. Martin and Matthews are cancers in the dressing room. Not only on the dressing room, they flaunted on the bench. Toronto's got a serious problem. My goodness. <laughs> Toronto Talk Radio must be ripping these kids apart. How dare they? No, they're busy with trying to figure out if uh, Batista or Encarnacion are going to stay with the Jays or not. But anyways, the precedent has been set for this, though. The precedent has been set for this, though. Halfway through last decade, remember, there was that exhibition game in Vegas where they zoomed in tight on Jeremy Roenick, and he was singing along to run DMC. Jeremy Roenick's a proven veteran. Absolutely. Martin Matthews are everything that's wrong with hockey. (laughs) Okay, sure, right, whatever. <laughs> ah. I, just, I liked it myself. I, I thought funny. it was okay. I, I, obviously, I, I, I hope people realize I'm being sarcastic. It's just funny. You, you know, if you wanted to be a little cheeky, you could take it to that extent. You, you, know, you can bet, though. You can bet. I, I would bet a significant amount of money on it, at least $15. That if two Oilers players were caught lip-syncing to a song, at least one caller or texter to the show would be angry about it. Especially if they lost the game. Yeah. Right? Given some of the stuff we've had to deal with about body... I mean, last year, 
last couple of years, we had a lot of calls and texts about Taylor Hall's body language, right? We had we had a lot of people, mostly in other markets, but picking apart picking apart Connor McDavid's body language, his so-called sullenness when he learned that the Oilers won the draft lottery, right? right. Which to me that. was just complete BS. Uh, we even had a caller the other night picking apart Milan Lucic's body language and saying that he wasn't trying hard enough and he he was he was giving up. So you can bet if uh, if you can bet if two Oilers players were lip syncing to a song on the bench. Now, granted, during a stoppage play, you can bet it would be at least somewhat of a topic, and I bet you it was at least somewhat of a topic somewhere in Toronto. No, I'm being sarcastic with my criticism and my. I, 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 I'm at the point. I gotta. I gotta be honest here. I'm at the point where I like finding things to make fun of about Mike Babcock. Does that make me a bad man? I know he's Canada's coach, but I just all the stuff when he left Detroit and referring to himself in the third person and all his interviews. Hey, you know Mike Babcock has to sit back and, and do what's best for Mike Babcock. Just, just quit, t- quit calling yourself Mike Babcock. Yeah, who is he to rock? Come on, Rock used to refer to himself. He thinks he's, he's all the time. Pe- he has the attitude of a pro wrestler. <laughs> yes, he does. I will agree with you with that. He'd be a perfect pro wrestling manager. So no I wrestler, just, but I, I just, I just like spinning that Martyrs and Matthews thing into that Babcock has lost control of the team. He's lost the locker room, everybody. It is seven twenty six inside sports on six thirty. Chad, you can text six thirty six thirty. The phone number is seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Taylor Beck, who was called up to the Oilers, got to play yesterday. Is the American Hockey League Player of the Week. He had eight points in three games. He was also plus four. Beck called up with the injuries to Cassian and Julio Yarvi. We'll see if he's going to play again tomorrow. The Oilers will have a morning skate in Pittsburgh. All right. 7.30 news coming up, then Phil Bork, then Morley Scott. Thanks for sticking around. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chet. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight in the NHL. 4-0 Boston taking it to Buffalo late in the third Looks like the Canucks are going to lose again. The Islanders are up 4-2 with a minute and a half left. The Lightning and the Panthers are tied 1-1 early in the third. Monday night football halfway through the second quarter. It's Buffalo 17, Seattle 14. Let's catch up on some text here to 630-630. Michael says, could you smell what the... Oh, wait, nope, can't do that joke on a shortened version of Babcock's name on the radio. <laughs> no, that right. is funny. That That's is great. funny. Michael That's text te- of the night right Michael there. texts all the time, so I don't, I, don't, I, don't read all, I don't read all his stuff. He's a pretty regular texter, but uh, he usually texts pretty good stuff even if I don't read it. That's, that's a funny one. That, that is a good one. You got it right away. Yeah, that's Some amazing. people might not have gotten it. That's amazing. Yep. Subtle humor. Yep. But very good. That's right. You're talk- you were talking about Mike Babcock. As a pro wrestling manager, Being like The Rock, yeah, and The Rock says, "Can you smell what The Rock is cooking?" That's so right. Michael is saying, "What would Babcock's version of that?" Yeah, be? you'd have to come up with a like, shortened version of his last name. Yeah, can't use that. Maybe the hammer. That's a good one. The hammer, Mike Babcock. That works good. Old school name. Uh, Dave says Jordan Eberle has three goals: one empty net, one nice in the paint, and one fluke. When do you think they will ever get him away from McDavid? Big bucks for mediocre play and uh, mediocre effort. 
Well, I, you know, I, I think at some point, yes, the Puglia Yarvi will get to play with uh, with Connor McDavid. I don't know when that's going to be. Uh, I mean, Jordan Everly is the tied for the third leading scorer on the team with eight points, so I wouldn't necessarily say mediocre play. I, I think Everly's been playing fine. Uh, I mean, Dave, I know you listen to the show all the time. I also can look at your text history, and I know also, I know that virtually everyone is a slam on Jordan Everly. So I guess my question to you would be, if Jordan Everly is going to be on the Oilers, and I think he will be for the short to medium term is, uh, how, do you, how do you want him being used? Do you want him on a different line? Because I don't think Jordan Everly is going to reinvent himself as as a player and and turn into Cam Neely. Um, I mean, there's always going to be room in the NHL for guys like Jordan Everly who can make plays and who can shoot the puck and, and who can finish. Um, so I, I understand you want Jordan Everly off the team. I'm just trying to communicate to you. I don't, I don't think you're probably going to get your wish in, any time in the near future. Uh, if you want him off McDavid's line, okay, fair enough. Maybe he goes and plays with another winger. I doubt, though, that's going to change your perception of the player. Um, I, I mean, I think here, here's here's the here's the thing with the Oilers is is I think now that they have a little more diversity of strengths on their team. They have some guys who can score. They have some guys who are a little better checkers, some guys who can step up and play physical if they have to, and that's why they are a team. Is there is there room for somebody with Jordan Eberle, with Jordan Eberle's strengths on, on a team that has players with other strengths? Well, I, I, I think there's room for him. Uh, somebody else says, could you please explain why you think Jordan Eberle is playing fine? Try not to look at the point totals. Well, okay, can you explain to me why he's not playing fine? I mean, look, and I was critical of Eberle last year. I mean, he didn't back check well. He didn't He didn't always win a lot of puck battles. Yeah, I, I think he's I, I think he's engaged in what McClellan is, is preaching for the team to be doing. And, and again, I, I mean, look, you can debate the player all you want, so are you saying if they're 9-3-1, and one, are you saying if Jordan Eberle's not on the team, they're 13-0? and 0? I mean, he's not a perfect hockey player. You know what? Connor McDavid's not a perfect hockey player. Milan Lucic isn't a perfect hockey player. Todd McClellan's not a perfect coach. But is, is, there, is there a slot on this team for Jordan Eberle to be effective and to help them? Okay, and he's not going to turn into King Forechecker all of a sudden, Right. He's not going to turn into crash and bang. Uh, Rinsky says uh, Everly can't do anything but score, and he's not doing that. Okay, well, fair enough. I mean, I guess he, he's the type of guy that you gotta. He's got to have on the score sheet for him to be effective. Fair enough. Three goals, yes, he hasn't seen. He scored once since the second game of the season. Fair enough. You would hope for more consistent production. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl went seven games without a point. Were you mad at him? We have Dwayne on the line. Hey, Dwayne. Hey, you know what? Leave Evans alone. The guy's a playmaker. 
Like, really, they're playing 500 hockey on the road and they got a great home record? Give it a rest. And people worried about McDavid because a 19-year-old had a couple of off nights. Think about that. A 19-year-old kid had a couple of off nights. What were you doing at 19 years old, you bandwagon hopping off of Euler fan? I hate Euler on Euler fan violence. But come on, pull your head out of your rear end. Like, give these guys a break. They had, I know it was a little bit of an easy schedule at the start, but everybody was mad at uh, Nuge last year. He reinvented himself, and they shut down, uh, uh, oh, man, I'm so pissed off right now. Uh, oh, Which team are you Ovechkin. thinking of? They shut, he shut down Ovechkin's line. I mean, and he's reinventing himself. You know what? Guys are finding their game. They're, what, 12 games in, 11 games in? And they're this good, this early. Come on, Oiler fans, give your head a shake. Thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate it. Yeah. 780-496-0063. All right. Yeah, well, Dwayne gave a counter to that. Uh, we're not. Uh, I appreciate everybody uh, texting in. Mike says Eberly is stealing money from the Oilers. Okay, well, you know what? No one. <laughs> I mean, it takes it takes two sides to for a contract to happen, right? What was Eberly supposed to do? Turn down the six million? I got to tell you what. If someone wanted to pay me that to host the radio show, I wouldn't worry about whether I thought I was worth it or not. I would take the money. Uh, Andy says, I'm sorry you have to deal with people who are never happy. Best season starts since when? What do they want? Win every game? Gosh, hockey would be boring. That's from Andy in Sherwood Park. All right, it's 741. Oilers and Penguins tomorrow night. Former Pittsburgh Penguin Phil Bork, now an analyst for the team. Phil, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I think uh, Penguins are playing pretty good hockey, and uh, all is well in Penguini line. Well, geez, it, uh, it it must be after a bit of a, a, a scary start there with the with the early concussion issue with with Sidney Crosby. I guess the team has been able to move through that, and also he himself. Yeah, Sid's playing some kind of hockey, and you know when you see players play so well down the stretch or into the playoffs, and uh, then you have the off season. A lot of times, it's uh, it's tough to ramp it back up again and and continue that play and and have that uh, that sharpness and that urgency, but. You know, you saw it from Sid in the World Cup, and, uh, yeah, he had a little bit of a setback uh, with his concussion, but, uh, man, alive. He's been playing some kind of hockey, and as good as I've ever seen him play on both sides of the puck. I mean, there's been times when he's been hot as a firecracker offensively, but I'll be honest with you, the way that he's playing defensively to generate offensive chances, this is the best I've ever seen. Real well, wow, that's that, that's saying a lot. I mean, what is it? It is is it his forechecking? Is it his vision? Is his is his physical play? What seems to be amped up here? Can I check uh, box D, which would be all of the above? <laughs> because it's all of that. I mean, uh, he, he's shooting the puck more, more accuracy with the shot. He's now leading the league in goals with eight. Um, continuing to make his teammates better, his line mates better. Um, he just seems to, you know, Sid's one of those guys where I just find my relationship with him uh, and my read of him is uh, his body language. And he can't fake anything. And, and you know when he's not in a good place. You know when uh, things just aren't right with him. And, and he just seems to be in such a, a comfortable place right now 
Uh, yeah, it's his vision. Yeah, it's his attention to detail. It's his work ethic. It's his battle for loose pucks. Uh, it's making all the little plays. It's it's having a, a feel for what is needed in that game, whether it's a goal, whether it's a helper, whether it's a big face-off, whether it's maybe being down low below the goal line and helping your team in to get the puck out of the zone. He's doing it all, and he's doing it all at such a high rate that um, it's it's really, really remarkable, uh, considering he's been in the league, what, 11 years now. Do you get any sense from him that there's uh, an anticipation, an excitement, uh, another opportunity where he wants to prove himself, anything like that, playing against Connor McDavid tomorrow? And look, you and I know it's not one guy against one guy. It's not a, it's not a right. tennis match, but their names are, are on the marquee here. Uh, Do you get any sense of Crosby's approach to playing against McDavid? Well, after practice today, he was asked that particular question, and uh, he downplayed it, which I expected from Sid because he's not a guy that's going to throw it out there and go, yeah, I, you know, I can't wait for this game against McDavid. I'm going to show McDavid who's number one and, and that he is second fiddle to me. I mean, that's not Sid, you know. Sid just kind of goes about his business, and uh, he'll put uh, the victory in, in front of any kind of personal stats that you'll see at the end of tomorrow night. But I think that deep down inside, I think what it comes down to, Reed, is just, and I think Connor's the same way. They're just so damn competitive. I mean, you and I are competitive at a certain level, you know, but, but those guys are to the nth degree that we can't even think about uh, how hard they want to compete and, and to be the best. So, yeah, I guess pride is on the line for Connor and for Sid. But, you know, they want to they kind of, when they walk out of the rink tomorrow night, they want to have a little extra bounce in their step saying, yeah, I, I was a little better than that other guy that people are talking so much about. You know, it's an interesting situation for you, Phil, because you've been around the Penguins organization a long time. You've been able to see Crosby play. And, and I mean, nothing against Malkin and the Latangs of the world, but, I mean, you know, Crosby's the, the, the guy. And you got to play with Mario Lemieux. And, you know, now you're, you're going to cover this era with McDavid and Matthews and Eichel and who knows who else, right, for all, all this next generation. Going back to Mario, the, the years you were in with the Penguins, was there a, that progression with him, you know, that competitiveness, that fire, that, that work ethic? Did you, did you look back on any things he did and say, yeah, you know, he was a guy that he just kept pushing and or this was a big moment for him or anything like that? Yeah, you know what comes right to mind is that 87 Canada Cup. You know, when he played with Gretzky uh, on the line, and, and that was magical. He came back a different person from that tournament, um, and uh, he kind of never looked back from there. Uh, so, you know, for Sid, uh, I think there's some comparisons there. You know, winning the con smite, I don't think he'll admit it, but I think Reed was a big deal for him. Because, you know, that was something that, uh, you know, that Mario had that he didn't have uh, as far as trophies and individual awards. Uh, so it was a big deal. Winning the World Cup uh, was a big deal for him, uh, as well as, as the Olympic gold medals that he has. So, you know, you know I think for those guys that, they don't have to boast about it. They don't have to brag about it. They're certainly not in any way um, arrogant about it. They just kind of feel like they're going about their business, and that's what they expect of themselves. So, you know, whether it's Gretzky or Lemieux or, or Sidney Crosby or even Conor McDavid, I, I think their their expectations for themselves highly exceed any expectations that us as media and fans have for them. Phil Bork joining us, Penguins analyst here on Inside Sports. Good showdown tomorrow between the Penguins and the Oilers. Um, you, you know, the, the Oilers have, have been able to craft out a really good start to the season, which, trust me, Phil, is a, is, is nice that we have a different dialogue than usually at this at this point of the season. Right, I bet. What, what do you – I mean, you, you would have played in games like this where, okay, it's – 
you know, it's the second week in November, but is is this a measuring stick? Will, will the teams go out of this game and the loser maybe say, oh, okay, there's a bar, there's an area where, where we're deficient, there's an area where we didn't meet the, you know, answer the bell tonight. How, what will it be like? Well, let me try to give you my viewpoint if I was playing for the Oilers and then if I was playing for the Penguins. I think for the Oilers, absolutely. Huge measuring stick. That uh, I think a lot of people are saying, uh, we've seen a lot of teams get out of the gate real early and then they peter out real quick. It's happened every year. Uh, and so there are there are some pundits that think that maybe the Oilers are going to hit a, uh, a bump here or they're going to hit a wall. Uh, and maybe it's the Penguins that, that put that chink in their armor and that, that seed of doubt in their mind, and maybe they unravel a little bit. On the other side, I'm thinking, man, if we can keep this ball rolling and we can uh, knock off the defending Stanley Cup champions, we're going to show a lot of people as well as ourselves that we are the real deal, that we can win in this league and we can get to the playoffs. On the other side for the Penguins, I, I think it's just a, another W that they're looking for. And I think that the Oilers are not going to sneak up uh, on the Penguins and surprise them in any way. I think they fully have the attention of the league and especially of the Pittsburgh Penguins because of their youth, because of their speed, because of their star power, because of their goaltender, because of their coach. I think all of that uh, is really going to make this a special game tomorrow night. Uh, I, I want to ask you another question going back to your Penguins game because you talked about you know the Oilers... You know, obviously they drafted McDavid last year, but I mean, if they keep doing well, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. No one's going to kind of look at them as the free space on the bingo card anymore. Did you notice a transformation during your years with the Penguins? Because you know, it, even into Mario's career, it took a while to make the playoffs, and then it took a while for you guys to to go deep and go into the Stanley Cup. Do you remember a point where it's like, okay, wait a minute, we're getting like the team, other team's best effort, like night after night now. Like now we're the team with the bullseye. No, Mario's the guy everybody wants to shut down. Yeah, I saw that as, you know, we started going from a, a lousy team when Mario first got here to, you know, getting better quicker. Um, that, you know, no matter where we went on the road, and, and you're seeing that with Connor and we've seen it with Sid, that, you know, the media just hypes the game so much that, yeah, that you're usually getting the other team's uh, the best effort. There's a different buzz in the, the arena because of the fans' anticipation of that matchup. So, yeah, that was a, a progression with Mario, but really, once Yager came along and Ronnie Francis were there and we had Paul Coffey there, uh, you know, that, that brought it to another level that we knew every single night. Uh, we could only imagine what kind of pregame team meetings they were having with the coaching staff, scouting, pre-scouting our team. Watch out for Coffee. Watch out for Lemieux. Watch out for Francis. Watch out for Murphy. Watch out for Yager. I mean, the list went on. So, you know, it was just expected that we were going to get the other team's best effort every time we strapped them on. No, wait a minute. You don't think they were saying watch out for Bork? <laughs> uh, that would be a no. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what, what, do, what do you think about just the general speed of the game now? I mean, look, obviously, the, the every generation of, of player is going to get faster, bigger, stronger. We know that. But, I mean, I just saw the, the Rangers push it up the ice so quickly against the Oilers the other night. Uh, you know, I know, I know we haven't had the red line for a while now. But it, I, I see sometimes people say, like, oh, they're going to have to bring the red line back in. It's getting too fast. And other people say, no, they like it. Like, let's go end-to-end. How, how do you see where the game is, is headed with some of the, the speed and playing fast element? Well, I understand Bobby Orr's, uh take on that as a former defenseman that he wants the red line put back in. I can understand his, his viewpoint on that. I kind of like the stretch pass. I, I like 
that it's free flowing that way. Uh, I, I love it. It gets more wide open. As far as uh, the way the teams are being designed now by general managers, I think the Penguins have have kind of uh, put a new cookie cutter on the table. Um, you know, we watch the LA Kings and their their heavy kind of plotting intimidating style win a couple Stanley Cups and people started thinking oh man maybe we got to get bigger and stronger and that's what's going to win us the Stanley Cup and you know I think now teams are realizing no for two reasons number one uh, youth and speed is what's winning right now and number two youth and dollars is what's winning right now because the young guys are commanding fewer dollars right now in their entry level deals and, and maybe even bridge contracts that, that helps balance the books and that seems to be the winning formula now well, I have a feeling tomorrow's game is going to be fun. Uh, I mean, both teams off to a hot start. Uh, I've I've liked some of the uh, commitment that the Oilers are showing in their game. I think you'll enjoy enjoy seeing that up close as well, Phil. Hopefully, it's a good one. And it's always great to have you on the show. We're going to probably do this again when when you get to come to Rogers Place later in the season. I'd love to do it anytime, Reed. I enjoy talking with you. Uh, this was good hockey talk, and it should be a great game between the Pens and the Oilers. All right, thanks for tuning in to Inside Sports tonight. You heard from Phil Bork and Jack Michaels, Oilers and Penguins. Tomorrow, 3.30 face-off show, 5 o'clock drop of the puck here on 6.30. Chet Morley Scott coming up next with the Eskimo Show. And we have Eskimo head coach Jason Moss. We have the quarterback of the day from Saturday, James Franklin. He threw a few balls to Bryant Mitchell. We'll talk to Bryant Mitchell as well, and we'll head to Hamilton to find out what's going on with those pesky Tiger Cats ahead of the playoffs. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.